Hi, my name's Noreen Jamil, and this is... Emily Kate Stevens. Both of us have been diagnosed with long COVID. And we've created this podcast dedicated to the condition. Welcome to the Long COVID Sessions. So Emily, how was your week? I hope it was better than last. My week was good. Yeah, I had a good week. I went skiing, which I was quite apprehensive about about the whole thing from the packing and the traveling and the and then the actual skiing but I was actually much better than I'd been the previous week so I did have a couple of days where I had felt really really rough when I woke up in the morning but by the afternoon I was skiing again if this is supposed to be deconditioning I'm not at all deconditioned I am probably fitter than I have ever been to ski and Maybe that's just because skiing's all downhill. But <laughs> but like even carrying the kids' skis, pulling the kids up the slopes, I, I'm I'm fine in terms of my fitness. I'm fine. And I don't seem to have horrendous PM from it. It's I came back and thought I'd have a massive crash. And I am tired at points. I just fell asleep on the kitchen floor. But I'm fine. And I feel like my nervous system has massively calmed down. And I don't know if that's because I spent a week being much more unplugged from people, social media, because when you're out on the mountain, you can't check your phone. So I think in terms of the the mental benefits of a break, I think that that has really, really calmed my nervous system. That's brilliant. Yeah, not bad, isn't it? I mean, I really did think that I was going to suffer for it and I was going to enjoy it, but then I was going to come back and suffer for it, like I did when I went surfing or like I, so many of these things I've done. But I actually... I really enjoyed it. I'm not back to the way I used to be. Uh, and I do have to be much more measured in in what I do. And I do still have to take naps. But I'm really, really pleased that I, I'm i okay. That's good. And how about yours? How was your week? We missed each other. <laughs> I know. My week was fine. Yeah, just fine. Do you think we got fixed? We went to a long COVID clinic and then we, now we're fixed. No, no. I definitely do still have. I've been... I've been medicating because I've been having kind of cardiac symptoms, but again, the kids are brought in a virus. And so although I'm not sick, sick, I do react to anything that comes into the house. Yeah. My back pain came back, but I was fine. Like, honestly, like I'm fine. Not back to normal, not whatever, but it's, I mean, fine. yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I was being busy. Yeah. yeah. It's got COVID, trying to get the antivirals. And then I had my mum's family was in town last week of school, just, you know, all the usual. And I think that's that that sort of step up back into normal life is actually, it's a challenge, but it's, it's something that we've got to do. And it's it's quite interesting working out how you, how you cope with it and working out your levels. Yeah, but the problem is for me, I don't believe there's any working out. Like you are hit with these waves and they come, whatever you do. I entirely agree with you I entirely agree with you because look I've just been physically active for a week and I'm fine I've had weeks where I've done nothing and I've been awful so I agree with you I don't see a pattern still I don't and I just think the only way to if you just kind of reverse engineer your brain a little bit and instead of trying to fix yourself just enjoy the moments when you feel well yeah and that's way forward because no one's going to be running forward with you know a teaspoon of cod liver oil that's going to fix us we're just going to have to figure out how we manage it 
<laughs> and again, like I feel lucky that I'm not as bad as you know some of our friends and people, other people who've got long COVID. We're not well, but I'm grateful because I'm not, you know, I'm not one of the ones who are really, really suffering. No, and we are very, very aware of that. We are aware that we um, have our limitations, but our limitations are a lot less limited than some of the people with with long COVID. We are, we are aware of that. Yep. So this week, this is one of Emily's uh, areas of expertise rather than mine, but she invited a very interesting guest, Perry Nicholson, who's a health life coach, stroke podcaster, stroke interesting man. He's a trained chiropractor. And then he seems to have drawn on all different medicine backgrounds, Eastern Ayurvedic, Western medicine. What we really wanted to talk to him about was... Uh, Two of his areas of expertise. So the lymphatic system and the, and the uh, vagus nerve. Which is something that a lot of people have asked us about. And as you say, it was right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> because I love approaching... I'm not going to say approaching it from an alternative angle but I love looking at the things that we can do alongside our western medical system yeah to, to help ourselves I found this really useful I did and especially when he tells us how to do our own lymphatic, lymphatic drainage, drainage which I think for many people are not moving as much as they used to especially me I don't move as much as I used to that it's a useful thing to try and help your body drain the lymphatic system which is there to kind of drain away poisons anyway yeah ridding your body of toxins why wouldn't you try it yeah so do listen all the way through the, there's a guide at the end so we're very very focused in the western medical system looking at the blood the blood work the blood vessels can you give us an explanation of how the lymphatic system works alongside that blood system that's a really good question because you just you just answered it right there works with it so the interesting thing about the lymphatic system is it, it's part of your immune system but it's also part of your cardiovascular system the, the blood system so your immune system has one job that's to kill stuff that's not supposed to be there <laughs> and get rid of it sometimes it just gets really good at it and it starts taking you out at the same time People say, well, what does it take out? I'm like, well, you name it. Toxins, bacteria, viruses, all different types, parasites, mold, fungus, cancer cells, even your own cellular waste, your own metabolic waste. So when you have neurons or parts of your body that wire and fire, it creates an energetic process, which creates waste. When you stick food inside of your mouth, your body should hopefully metabolize it and it makes waste and cells die every day just from you being on this earth and you make new ones. Hopefully, hopefully you make more new ones than you destroy, um, which is a natural process, but you got to get rid of those too. So everybody's got waste and that system is the primary one. That's the uh, sewage system of the body. Just like when you flush your toilet in your house, you don't want that stuff surfing in your house for long. It's not going to be nice to live there. Same thing with the lymph system. But it's also part of the cardiovascular system. The reason being is that the lymphatic system dumps directly into the veins of the body at the base of the neck. And that is the primary um, part of the cardiovascular system. So that works with the arteries too. 
And it's a very simple process. Arteries bring oxygen and nutrients to the cells of your body. And the veins help you get rid of the waste afterwards. So it's a two-way street. So if you have a problem with the lymphatics in some way, shape, or form, the cardiovascular system has to take up the slack somewhere, has to compensate, has to adapt. And it goes the other way. If you have an issue with the cardiovascular system, well, then the lymphatic system comes into play. So in my world, it's physiologically impossible to have an issue with one and not have one with the other. But nobody really looks at the lymphatic system in relationship to the cardiovascular system. Nobody's ever paying attention to the system at all because the only time that they hear about the lymphatic system is usually in two cases. Yeah, you got cancer or you have what's called lymphedema, which means that you have a body part that is abnormally swollen with inflammation, edema, and fluid. That's the only time. And those are extreme cases. And I'm here to tell you, maybe if you jump on the lymphatic sooner, you might not be dealing with those two scenarios as well. But that cycles back to the blood. So blood is just one measurement of how the body is doing. Plus, it's only a measurement in one split second of time. The blood is actually not a very great way to look at the overall, you know, what they call homeostasis of the body because we think if the blood is great everything else is great well that's mistake number one because for something to show up in the abnormal range which is actually arbitrary anyway they had to pick some kind of range and they did it on an average of 100 people and then they took the median in between if something falls out of that range your body's been fighting something for a long long period of time and you're in a pretty significant place for it to show up in the blood because the number one thing your body tries to do is to keep that blood stabilized i know there's a lot of people on this podcast or a lot of people that i come in contact with who get blood work done and they get told this all the time it's normal we can't find anything well first of all just because you can't find it doesn't mean it's not there because obviously it's there because i feel like crap and then they say, well, it's, we can't see it. So they go by the objective blood test there, which is just one marker. But I come from a different world because I've been there where hey, your blood works great. Well, then why do I feel like I want to kill myself and I'm dying over here and I can't wake up and I'm sleeping 16 hours a day? So that's when I take my fingers and my hands. And what I do is I put them actually on the body of the person I took the blood from and I press on things. And then I notice your response to when I press on something. And most of the time, you're not going to like it because it hurts. Why does it hurt? Well, that's a really simple answer because you got inflammation. But it didn't show up in the blood work. I don't care. I know you got it because you're jumping when I touch you. Now, it's probably inflammation on where I'm touching you. But it's probably inflammation somewhere else. They call it systemic. That means full body. Or you got it in your brain. And then the inflammation in the brain causes the whole body to become overly sensitive to touch anyway. So if I've got inflammation in the body, then I think to myself, what's the number one system to control inflammation? Well, that's your immune system. And then I think, well, what's a big player? I call it the big dog on the block. That would be Mr. Lymphatic System. So we have to check that. And that's what I do. 
people always ask me, what's the first step towards changing the lymphatic system? And it's really, really simple. Knowing that you have one <laughs> and knowing that you should look at it, you can't change something until you become aware of it. So if you want to have a role in changing it, that's conscious awareness. And that's the big step. Listen, I'm in this business. I've been being a chiropractor in healthcare for 26 years. And when I was sick, I never thought about the lymphatic system. It wasn't even on my radar, but nobody else mentioned it to me either. And that's the part that infuriated me because I can only imagine how many other people on this earth are walking around like I was walking around with, with no idea. 15 years later, the system just decided to manifest itself in another way. And for me, that was my autoimmune disease, if you will. Autoimmune disease means that they got no freaking idea why it's happening to you. Your, your body's just attacking you. Well, first of all, that's the wrong words to use. It's, it's trying to protect you. You just can get stuck in that protection mode. And that's when I discovered this. You've got what they call lymph nodes that are, I call them mini toilets that you flush. You, you can have anywhere between 400 to 700. So those little mini toilets are supposed to flush out toxins. And of this, I'm going to give the number 700. Of the 700 lymph nodes in your body, one third of that number lives from the neck up. So when I hear that stat, you know what that tells me? Your head and your neck are pretty important in the overall picture of everything in your body in relationship to healing and the lymphatics. Not to mention this really important thing surfs up into your skull there called your brain. <laughs> so those nodes are supposed to help keep your, your brain clear so your brain can function well. So it can run all the other systems that it's trying to play with, right? So you have what's called a neuroimmune link. Neuro means nerve, nervous system, immune is immune system. That's great. That's a good start. But actually, you should list all the systems in one big giant word. Neuro, lympho, vascular. I mean, you just keep going down because they all work together. We just lost sight of that because we chase parts. Yeah, that is something that we are very aware of in our situation and from the people that we speak to. Can you explain to us what is happening to our lymphatic system when we are in a state of chronic inflammation or chronic disease? Because yeah. your belief on that is that it doesn't matter what the specific disease is necessarily or what the viral input was that has caused it. There is a fundamental thing that's the same with our lymphatic system when we're in this chronic state. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great question. There's a phrase I heard once that said, you cannot, I don't know who said it. I wish I could give him credit. You cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. You cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. So what environment? Well, you have your mental environment. That's how you think, right? You're going to need to shift how you think if you want to get different results. It's also your external environment. Maybe where you live. How about the relationships that you have? You're never going to get where you want to go because your environment is not conducive towards healing. And those external environments can influence your thinking process, right? But you also have your internal environment. 
that's what's inside of you. So I wanted to focus on the internal environment because I'm thinking, well, everybody's trying to change your thought processes, right? And you're trying to change where you are. And those are going to influence your internal environment. But what if your internal environment is already trashed? Because I got news for you. It's really hard for you to think well when you have inflammation in your body. The external stuff, too, is what you eat. And what you eat is what you put inside of your body. So it's all going to go inside anyway in some way, shape, or form. So the internal environment of your body is like a fish tank. This is my favorite way to describe the lymphatic. So we all know if you have a fish tank, you got water in there and you got fish in there and maybe other type of creatures. I want you to think of the fish tank as your body. You're the tank and you're mostly water. And most of your your brain is 90% water, for goodness sakes. It's a lot. So you have a big giant aquarium that you're walking around with and the cells of your body are all of your fish. You got a couple of trillion fish that are trying to live with each other. Now, I'll tell people, if you see a tank that's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, what you see is that it has a nice little filter system in there. And usually in the corner, you see all these bubbles happening. <laughs> First of all, that's designed to move the water. You don't want water that doesn't move because water that doesn't move becomes stagnant or they call it stasis. And then that's where stuff goes horribly wrong. They always learn that don't drink still water in nature. You're going to die the next day. That's probably about right. Why? Because it breeds disease, parasites, viruses, fungus, nasty stuff, man. Plus, it, it gets oxygen in the water, right? And then that's what the fish need. The creatures in there need oxygen. But if you look up underneath the fish tank, it's usually hidden by the container, you see all the stuff underneath that nobody ever pays attention to. That's all those pipes, all those filter after filter after filter. That's designed to keep that water purified. That's what your lymphatic system does. Nobody ever pays attention to that one because they're looking at the nice shiny fish tank. Well, it's a lot of work happening below the scenes in there. And that filter system, its job is to clean out the cell poop, the, the waste of the fish tank. So think about this. You feed your fish and then the fish eat the food. And then after they eat the food, they pee and they poop. Yeah. That's what your cells do. I put food in my mouth. I put oxygen in my mouth or in my nose. And then it goes to the cells, the fish. They use all that stuff. And then your cells of the body create waste through what's called a metabolic process known as the Krebs cycle or mitochondrial process. So if that works, great, awesome, but still make poop. So let me ask you a question. What would happen if your filter system on that fish tank stopped working? Would you notice a change right away? You wouldn't, right? But after about a couple of days or a week, you're like, you know what? That water's looking a little murky in there. It actually looks like it's turning green. And there's lots of stuff floating around in the tank. And now stuff is growing on the tank inside of it. Fungus, bacteria, mold, parasites. It even starts to grow on the fish. And then you look in the tank, and if you can see through the water, have you ever seen a fish struggle to breathe? Its mouth goes like, oh, oh. It's trying to get is whatever oxygen it can in because it's suffocating itself. 
And eventually, if you don't clean that tank, guess what happens to your fish? They will die. Dead. That's not good. You don't want dead <laughs> fish. What you would do normally in that case is see why that happened. And then you would take everything out. Then you'd clean it, put new stuff in there, and then hopefully put a new filter system in, right? What if you didn't put a new filter system in, but you replaced everything else? What's going to happen a week later again? Same thing. Same. Th My fish are dead again. Maybe just maybe that's why stuff keeps coming back because you didn't find the root of the problem. And that's what it was for me. Your cells are the same way. You eat food. You take in oxygen. You take supplements. You take all the best food. You do all the breathing exercises you've been given. You do everything that's supposed to help you get better, but you're not getting better. Why? Because one, you're putting that stuff into the body and your cells have to use that stuff. And then whenever they use it, they make waste. What if you can't get rid of the waste? Well, then it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. It's going to keep getting sick. And here's the thing you need to understand is that when you have a fish tank like that and you put food in there and oxygen in there, it gets so toxic that even the fish can't absorb the nutrients because the environment is too toxic. And that's what happens to the human body. When your internal environment is so toxic, all the supplements and all the stuff you're putting in there, the body can't use it. It can't get into the cell. Why? Because it's sitting in crap. That's why. So you make more crap. That's metabolic waste. So then I ask people, when you wanted to get that fish tank looking well, what'd you do? Well, change the tank, change the filter, make sure it wasn't clogged, got it working. Now, would you like to learn to do that for your body? Yes. Most sane people will go, yeah, sign me up for that one. I'm good. Right, I'm and ready. Because <laughs> listen, the body's not stupid. It knows what it needs to do to heal itself, but why can't it? I'm doing all these wonderful therapies. I'm doing all these wonderful techniques and they all work for somebody. They're awesome. Can it work as well as it should? Does the body have the environment to do so? Can I get well in the same environment you became ill within? So what I want to do is I want to go in and check that system. I want to see if it's dysfunctional. And if it is, I want to do my best to help it function as well as it can. If it's not, I want to check it anyway. Why? Because then I can rule it out. I've been doing this long enough to know that most people haven't had it looked at. They'll say, lymph what? What are you talking about? Right? I, I said, did anybody talk to you about it? No. Did anybody check it? No. So that's my job is to check it. So how do you check it? That's a good question. So people always ask me, how do you know you have a lymphatic system problem? Well, one, because you're standing in my office asking me to help you. I already know it's a hot mess. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. And I also know it needs help because you're living on this earth and it's taking a hit. So with the lymphatics, it's just knowing that they're there. Then it's me showing you where to press on your body to see if you have pain if you have swelling and if you have inflammation or tightness and tension, because the lymph goes everywhere. It is a significant system. Cycling back to the fluids in the body, you've got five liters of blood. You've got, it depends on the resource that you read, between 10 to 15 liters of lymphatics. 
So what does that mean in my world? Lymph trumps blood. That's what that means. That's even if it's 10 liters, it's double what you got in blood. That's big, right? So what happens is, is that I teach people where to press on the body to see if there's tenderness, pain, inflammation. And you don't just push anywhere. You have to push in a certain uh, place and a certain sequence. And when you learn that, I mean, I'll be happy to share the the what we call the big six with you today. It's the fundamental examination that I tell everybody to do. And here's the beautiful part. The assessment when you do it's also a lymph release at the same time. Score, double check the win box. <laughs> like how cool is that, man? Right? Talk about multitasking. And this is the thing with lymphatics. Everybody's always working lymphatics because two things move lymph. Movement human movement. And people say, what type of movement? Any type moves it. But we don't really move as human beings anymore. We sit a lot. Or what happens is when we do move, we do the same type of movements all the time because we like to move that way. So humans like to do what they're good at. They don't like to do what they're not so good at. What I mean by that is yoga people like to yoga. Bodybuilders like to bodybuild. They don't like to switch camps. And you should. So what that means for me is, though, is when you do the same type of movement all the time, you develop lines of tension and stress, kind of like a callus on the hand where your body adapts to the same pattern all the time. So that tightness and tension changes how fluids move in your body. So you can have a dysfunctional lymphatic system from not moving enough or doing the same type of movement too much. So that's why we teach people to just move differently than you do now. So, you know, so people are moving and then that's when they say, well, I'm moving should not be enough. Sometimes it's just too stuck and movement's not enough anymore. And it's the same thing with breathing. Like now breathing also moves lymphatics, but a particular type of breathing. You have to breathe through the diaphragm. So the diaphragm, most people have heard of that. It's kind of the rage right now through breathing and meditation. It's a muscle that sits at the bottom of the rib cage there. And whenever you breathe in, particularly through your nose, not your mouth. That's the first tip I'm going to give you. Breathing in through your nose is the primary way that you move your diaphragm more effectively, which increases pressure in the body, which moves fluid, and it increases pressure in the abdomen called intra-abdominal pressure. And breathing in pushes the organs towards the floor. Breathing out, it sucks the organs back up towards the floor. And holy cow, up and down, that's a pump. That's a pump. And that is moving our lymphatic system. Well, it's supposed to. So first of all, most people don't breathe through their nose. They're breathing through their mouth. And one of the reasons they can't breathe through the nose is because the nose is clogged because their lymphatic system's backed up. They can't breathe <laughs> through the nose. So people say, Doc, which came first, my problem or the lymph or the lymph and my problem? Yes. Either way, chicken or the egg, I don't care. You got to deal with both. Either way, you're going to check your lymphatic system. So that's when people say, Doc, I move all the time. I'm a movement ninja. I've taken every breathing course known to man. My lymphatic system should be working well, right? No, because it might be so blocked up that it's not enough anymore. And they say, well, how do I move it then? And that's when I point to your hands. And I say, you get in there and you touch tissue and you move tissue. You can do it yourself. All right? You can clean your own fish tank. So that's what is the missing part. And I always like to have it like an analogy. So lymph is mostly water. And then the rest is uh, <clears throat> you're going to have hormones, you're going to have waste, you're going to have all sorts of stuff in there. 
But um, think about water coming down a stream and coming off a mountain and it's going to hit like a block. If it's a couple of rocks, no big deal. It can start to flow over the rocks and it can trickle in. It'll slow down or it'll try to move away around the rocks. But what happens if I put a big giant boulder in front of that thing? Yeah, then that's what's called a dam and stuff's not to get through it. And I tell people that I don't care how much water you put down towards that rock. You can't break through the rock. How would you get the water to move? Well, you'd move the rock. Well, congratulations. That's what your hands are. They're designed to move the rocks, move the toxins. And that's all I'm just trying to teach people are simple things to, to go around areas of the body that have the most uh, tightness and tension in them. But people have very poor body awareness. They don't have a good sense of their body in relationship to itself or relationship to the environment because they're so disconnected from self or they don't move or they don't take time to feel the different parts of their body. And sometimes it's new through no fault of their own. It's cultural a lot at least here in the United States. Ain't nobody got time for that. I got to go, go, go. I got to conquer the world, right? But when you've got so much inflammation in the body, you lose the ability to sense things. And that, that's the key. It's the order in which you do things that makes a significant difference on how well the outcome is. So what I mean by that is this. You can do movement and you can do breathing. But if you haven't cleared your lymphatic system first, you're not going to get the same results as if you do lymphatics first, and then you move and then you breathe. But you have to breathe through all of it though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep breathing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good idea to breathe for sure. <laughs> um, here's the thing. When people get under a lot of stress, they don't breathe. Right? They hold their breath for long periods of time, and then they have a big exhale. So it's a stress response to, to gasp and hold your, that's a trauma response or what I call a trauma lock. When you are in trauma and you have a <gasps> like this, that stuff can get stuck in your wiring. And the other one is that when they do breathe, they, they tend to over breathe, which means they, they breathe too much. It's a, uh, <sighs> and when they do that, they go more through the mouth than the nose. That feeds the waste in the fish tank, honestly, because if your breathing is off, you have an altered relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide in the body. And then you lay that on top of a tank that's already dysfunctional. You're going to be in a world of hurt. And then that's when I say, I want you to do your lymphatic system first. And then I want you to breathe, right? Because listen, the largest lymph node in the body sits in the center of the abdomen, roughly at the halfway point between your navel and the bottom of your sternum. It sits deep inside the body next to your spine. And you want to talk about some cool engineering? It sits right next to where the diaphragm attaches to the spine. It's right in front of it. Why would, why would the universe put it there? Because it knows when you breathe through your diaphragm, you pull the spine and you pump the pump. If that node, it's called the cisterna chile. If that gets blocked, then you can breathe all you want. It, it, it's not going to get rid of it because it's too blocked up. I think a lot of people we know have been given breathing exercises, but don't necessarily have that kind of 
tangible explanation of why actually the diaphragm breathing. So breathing is not just about oxygen and relaxation. Breathing to me is about one thing, fluid delivery, pressure. When you have all that oxygen, how in the world is it getting to the cells anyway? Through your blood, through the fluid. So I don't care if you got oxygen. I mean, that's a good bonus plan. I'd like you to have more than less, but can it get to its target? But not only that, can it get to its target, but can the target absorb it once it gets there? I can dump the food in the fish tank. That's great. Fish can eat it, but it doesn't mean the fish are going to absorb it well. It's the same thing for your cells. And you think that by clearing our lymphatic system, because obviously there is a lot of talk about how our, our cells are unable to metabolize the good things, be it supplements or oxygen that comes into our body, by improving our lymphatic system, we should be able to improve the way that our cells take up all the oxygen. When you have an environment around the cells that's toxic like that, you have decreased oxygen, just like the fish tank. So they can't absorb it. It's not, it's not possible. So the way to drain that biggest lymph node is by breathing. Well, it is, right? Assuming that it's not blocked. Right. So then I say, how do you move a heavy rock off your abdomen? You stick your fingers in your abdomen and you start to massage a little bit to release the pressure. And here's the cool thing. Most of your immune system, 70 to 80% of it, re resides in your gut, your abdomen, right? And I'll give you one guess where most of your lymphatic system lives. In your gut, <laughs> right there with it. Why? Because that's the biggest part of your immune system is your lymphatic system. So in my world, if you have a gut problem, you got a lymph problem. If you got a lymph problem, you got a gut problem. You can't have one without the other. Most people don't know they have inflammation in the gut until they have pain in the abdomen in some way, shape, or form, or you get gastrointestinal disorders like SIBO or bloating or Crohn's disease, but I know you have inflammation in your gut by one simple thing. I'm going to stick my fingers in your gut and see if it hurts from the outside on your abdomen. And on 99.9% .9 of the people that I do it on, they're going to go, ouch, that hurts. And it's not supposed to hurt. Pain's the last thing you feel in a disease process, not the first. Your body's trying to compensate and adapt through all the other systems in the background so you don't get pain. When you get it, I already know it's been fighting off something for a long period of time. So pain is simply one thing. It's telling you you need to change something. And then people say, change what? And my answer is, I'm going to give you one guess. It starts with an L and it ends with emph. But if your node is close to your spine, how do you reach it? So if you have a pumping action on that abdomen or a massaging uh, action on that abdomen, it's going to trickle through all the different levels of the tissue that you have <clears throat> because it's all interconnected. But can you explain to us the, your big six, your movement of the, of the lymph? Yeah, I was waiting for that. I'd love to. I call it the big six, and it's a daily reset that I teach everyone uh, to do. I'm going to give a caveat here, kind of like a warning. This seems super simple, and it is, but it's unbelievably powerful. And when you press on these areas, I don't want you to press really, really hard when you begin. If something hurts when you press on it, that means inflammation. Just back off a little bit, and you can just 
rub it lightly. When you do this, you're going to release stored up toxins and waste that have been trapped in these clusters called lymph node clusters for a long time, years if not decades. And when you do that, you're going to get them to move. And so it's like stirring up the fist tank. You're probably going to feel immediately a little bit of energy because these clusters are located around primary tension points of the body where blood flow gets restricted to. But later on tonight or in tomorrow, you might not feel so good, which means you may get a detoxification reaction. That's a normal response where your body now has to deal with toxins that have been stored for a while. And it can appear in many different ways. Uh, tiredness and fatigue is a big one. Uh, headache, lethargy, uh, increase in pain, right? Uh, a return of pain in places you haven't experienced in a while. You may just feel overall like you went out on a Saturday night and did things you shouldn't have, and then you woke up on the floor and you don't know how you got there. <laughs> so first of all, I want you to realize that if it happens, it shouldn't be too bad because that's why I designed it this way so it's not too invasive, but it's normal. Don't let that scare you or be fearful. Don't redo these six points again until you start to feel a little bit better. It might be a day, it might be three days, it might be a week. Just don't do it again until you start to feel a little bit better because your system has to catch up and make sure you hydrate well. Everybody good with that? Yep, yep, uh, yep. The, the order is the key. Hold on, getting ready, I'm taking off my top. Not my, you know, I'm not naked. <laughs> Just got my t-shirt on. For... Well, it's even better when you do it that way. <laughs> oh, Emily's getting naked. Yeah, what kind of podcast are you running there, right? <laughs> I'm still getting dressed. Okay. So you have to do the big six in the order that I'm gonna show you how to do it in. I just want you to understand why you're doing it this way. It's all based on how pressure moves in the body in relationship to fluid. It's called hydrodynamics. The lowest pressure of fluid in the body from the uh, veins, which is where most of your blood resides, 75% of the blood in your whole body resides in the veins at one time. And the lowest pressure for lymphatics are at the collarbone. That's one of the reasons why the first thing we look for that shows the possibility of dysfunctional lymphatics, I don't like the word dysfunctional, non-optimal lymphatics is puffiness and swelling above the collarbone on either side is a 100% indication that your system is overloaded with fluid because that's the drain point. That's like me blocking the drain out of your house. That's the big sewer pipe. That's blocked. Everything else in the body will be blocked. That's big. If that's the lowest point, then you have the highest pressure the furthest away from that point. So the highest pressure of fluid flow in the body as in the fingers, at the top of the head, and mostly at the bottom of, in the feet. So that's why a lot of people get swelling in the ankles and the feet and the hands because that's where most of the pressure settles. That's important because that is how we're going to clear it. When we do the big six, we always, always, always start at the collarbone. You have to clear the big drain point first. And then we work towards the hands, towards the feet. Understood. Most of the lymphatics 
goes to the left side of the neck. About 75% of the lymph goes to the left side of the neck. The right side takes the other 25%. So we typically start on the left because it's the bigger drain point. So how do we drain it? All I want you to do is take your fingers and I want you to start to press into above the collarbone on the left-hand side. Stay off the neck. Stay off the trapezius muscle. You want to be in front of that. And I want you to rub right there. And I want you to go in circles to the left, circles to the right, just to a pressure that's comfortable. Do a couple. There's no magic number. And then after that, I just want you to rub that area, not in circles, but just kind of rub it up and down any direction. And then I want you to do a little bit of tapping on it, just like you're patting yourself on the back right there. And then I want you to do the same thing to the right side. So press your fingers in there and do some circles to the left and do some circles to the right. Then just rub over that region. Create a little friction and then do a little bit of tapping. Now, how long do you do this for usually? There's no magic time frame. I tell people it can be as short as five to 10 seconds, or you can spend a minute. Uh, I just want you to feel the difference from side to side. And note if one side felt a little bit more puffy and swollen, did it feel a little bit more tender? My, yeah, my left one. For sure. Yeah. So we start there because that actually begins to open up the drain. When you open that area up, all the rest of the body says, this is awesome, man. He opened up the drain. Let's move. Let's go. All right. That's spot number one. Now, spot number two, it's at the top of the neck. We're going to go to the left-hand side first. It's right behind the angle of your jaw, right below the lobe of the ear. And it's in front of this big bone that's behind your ear called your mastoid process. There's a space right there. And all I want you to do is just rub there in circles. Take two or three fingers. So we're on the left-hand side, all the way up top. That feels weird. That's the largest lymph node in the neck. You actually feel it. And then rub up and down in there. And then tap light. Go go even lighter here because it's close to the head. And then go to the right-hand side and then do some circles. That's the node that gets really clogged when people have brain fog or neuroinflammation or anything with the head and the neck. And then rub up and down. And then tap. I want you to play around with how fast, how slow, how deep, you know, but don't cause pain when you do it. If it's painful then you lighten it up until it's not. That's spot number two of six. Nature's pretty smart. She knows that movement moves lymph. So she put all of the big clusters of toilets around the biggest joints of the body that have to move the most. So that's why we're going to go to the shoulder, to the abdomen, to the hip, and to the knee. That's where they live. So you're going to go to the left side of your body, and I want you to go right in what they call your pectoral region is where the shoulder attaches to the pectoral. And that's a big choke point. All I want you to do is rub circles right in front of that shoulder, right over that tight pec, clockwise, counterclockwise. And then I want you to rub over it any direction that you want. Get in there a little bit, right? That probably feels good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> horrible. And just tap over that with your hand. Tap over that. Yeah, use your whole hand. 
Now go to the same thing on the right side. So go in front of the shoulder, right where it attaches, in towards the pec. Circle left, circle right, and then rub over it, and then just tap. <clears throat> That's spot number three. All right. Now we're going to go towards the abdomen. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to, we're going to find the space. I want you to put uh, a finger in your belly button, one finger in your belly button. And I want you to put your other finger at the top of your abdominal muscles, right below the bottom of the sternum. So the sternum ends and it's right at the top of your abs. You got both spots. And I want you to note that distance and I want you to find the halfway point. This one, I want you to use two hands. And I want you to put pressure in, try to go into the abdomen a little bit, maybe about one inch, something like that. And I want you to massage clockwise and counterclockwise right in there. Right? And then I want you to press straight back into there like you're doing CPR to somebody. Press with your fingers straight back into the abdomen like 10 times. Just like that, that's going to be a little bit of a pump. And then now I want you to just rub up and down on that spot with your hands. <clears throat> and then all I want you to do now is take your hands one at a time and just kind of slap your abdomen. Now that's spot number four. Spot number five is the groin, the crease of the groin. If you're sitting now and you, your legs are bent at the hip, right? And then you feel the little crease that gets marked there from your pants. That's where I want you to go, right there. I want you to rub in circles. It's usually going to be more located right in the middle of it and then do circles the other way. And then now I want you to rub over the crease of the groin or rub a lot in the crease. And then I need you to be careful here where your hands are and how hard you hit. I want you to slap there. You're in the wrong spot. That's going to hurt. Okay? <laughs> and then you can do the same thing to the other side. Or it's beautiful with this one because you can do both sides at the same time. But if you haven't done the other side, go to the opposite side and do the same thing. That's spot number five. Now, spot number six, you can do seated or you can do standing. You're going to have to bend over uh, at the hips and it's behind the knees. So I want you to do both on this one. Find the crease behind the knee. First of all, note is a swelling back there. If you have swelling behind your knee, that indicates some significant blockages higher up. All right. And then I want you to do circles around the back of the knees. A little bit behind the crease, a little bit below the crease, kind of into the cap and a little bit above the crease into the back of the leg. And then I want you to rub up and down along that crease really vigorously. And then I want you to do some slaps behind the knee. All right. Now, after that, then we need to kind of get the fluid moving. If you can't stand up and you can't move, all I want you to do now is just to close your mouth and breathe in and out through your nose only. If you're standing and you can do this next part, I still want you to breathe in and out through your nose, not your mouth but I want you to stand up. And when you stand up, I want you to just jump up and down a little bit uh, on the balls of your feet 
taking your heels off the ground like you're doing a little bit of a mini rebound. I just want you to keep the balls of your feet on the ground and just bounce up a little bit and do that for 20 seconds to 30 seconds. And you just completed what we call the big six. That is the daily reset that I give every human being to do for the rest of their life. And you do it every morning? It doesn't matter if you do it in the morning, during the day, or at night. It's really up to an individual. That being said, most people have the biggest stagnation of lymph in the morning when they wake up because they have a long period of inactivity. So I usually tell people, I want you to play around with it. Try it in the morning when you wake up. Try it in the afternoon and see how you feel. Try it in the evening. You'll know which one works best for you. And once a day is usually enough. You don't have to do more. I definitely don't want you to do it more than once a day until you see how you felt doing it once a day. If you felt like you got hit by a dump truck tomorrow morning, you're not going to do it again until you start to feel a little bit better. That one is an easy, simple daily reset to do that anyone can try. And it's around the areas of the body where most people have the biggest tightness and tension. Because when you sit down, you just closed off every single one of those points. And when you look down at your phone, you closed off the top of the neck. You round your shoulders forward and you close off the the shoulders. You close off the abdomen because you're slumping. You close off the groin because you're sitting and the knees, forget it. That's one of the reasons why people get massacred on an airplane flight. One, because of sitting, but two, the change in pressure. That's big. That's super big. What you guys just did. I'm, I'm going to, I want you to just take a moment because it seems really simple, but it's honestly one of the most powerful resets you're ever going to do to help your body do what it's trying to do, which is to heal you. That's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> you also look at the vagus nerve, don't you? Yes. And you want to know a, an awesome thing? Yes, Whenever please. you just did what you did, you just stimulated your vagus nerve at the same time. Oh, wow. Because the, the vagus nerve is an area of huge interest for us. Yeah. So the vagus nerve, some people might not know about it. The vagus nerve is a very important nerve in the human body. It's called a cranial nerve, which means that in the cranium off the brain stem in the back, you have one on the left and one on the right. Now, what makes that nerve so important is it's the primary nerve that controls what they call the inflammatory reflex in the body. Your ability to tolerate inflammation, to get it, to fight it, and to eliminate it and maintain it and get yourself back to a state of balance. And it's the primary nerve that's part of what's called your parasympathetic nervous system. We call that the wine, dine, feed, breed where you want to relax, you want to digest, you want to have some sex afterwards, you just want to chill, that one. And it's the opposite end of the seesaw to the system that everybody's hanging on with a death grip called your sympathetic nervous system. The fight, flight, freeze, freak out one, where you're always in the trenches, always on the go. They have to work in tandem with each other. So the vagus nerve relaxes you. Now, why is that important in relationship to lymph? Because If you're always tight and you have tension, what do you think that restricts? Fluid flow. Because you're tight. Tighten up your pipes. Has been said is the sort of state that we're constantly in, isn't it? This fight, flight or freeze mode. So what you're saying is that our 
vagus nerve is not working properly. It, what has happened to our vagus nerve is if we're always in that? Uh, How much time you got? That's a rabbit hole. I have a whole day course on the vagus nerve, but let, let me give you an ex a kind of an explanation on that. Is that so you have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system. You need to think of like as a seesaw. They call that the law of polarity, like a pendulum. You're supposed to be able to swing between both of them. But the human condition is to err on the side of sympathetic dominance, fight or flight, because it's always in your best interest to assume that something's going to kill you and not work out well, because you have a better chance of living longer than assuming everything's going to work out well. So your body automatically goes towards fight or flight. And it can get locked in that mode because it gets used to being there because it wants to protect you. It doesn't want you to die. And so you can have it to where if your sympathetic system is really, really active all the time, then your parasympathetic is not. So it's already just from disuse because you're always in the fight or flight mode. But it's also the other end where the sympathetic system, it may lose what they call tone. So tone is how well a nerve can signal, wire, and fire and communicate with other nerves and communicate with the brain. If it has good tone, that means it can signal on, it can signal off, it can respond well. It's resilient. That's called adaptation. It can have high tone, which means it works too much. High vagal tone, which is not as common, but high vagal tone means that people, they go the opposite end and they pass out really quickly, very dizzy, very nauseous. People with POTS have that kind of condition or what they call vagovasal response. Then it can have low tone where it works, but it's not working as well as it could. So when it's like that, it, it doesn't have the capability to balance out the sympathetic one. It's usually a mixture of both. Why people have issues with the vagus nerve. It's, it's just life, honestly. It's, it's the human condition of what humans have to live in right now that you can't escape. That's why the last two years have been horrific for people's mental health and physical health, because they've been in a constant state of fight or flight all the time. You, you can't relax. But is that vagus nerve injury? It can be. Our cohort of long COVID sufferers, there's a lot of POTS, a lot of these symptoms that you're describing, and some are suggesting that it could be vagus nerve injury. Yeah. So let me give you a couple of examples. It can go from trauma to the head. It can go from trauma to whiplash, what's called hyperflexion, hyperextension injury. It can come from too much motion in the top two bones in your neck called hypermobility syndrome. That's why a lot of people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, they get too much motion in the joints and it moves and it crimps or pinches or chokes off the vagus nerve and gets hypotonic. Chronic inflammation in the brain does it neuroinflammation from Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you know, uh, traumatic brain injury. It can come from inflammation in the peripheral immune system. When the whole body becomes inflamed, it sends signals to the immune cells in the brain called microglia, and then you get overinflammation in the brain, and then you actually start to damage your own nerves through the overreaction of your immune system to something. But also things travel from the gut to the brain via the vagus nerve. It's called the gut-brain axis. And they've known for a long time that viruses in general, particularly the Epstein-Barr and the herpes virus number six, which most humans have both, it travels up to the brain through the vagus nerve, and then you get neuroinflammation. But they also discovered through recent research that people who have long COVID symptoms typically had vagal nerve issues before they got COVID. 
So it makes you more susceptible to infection of any type, but also prolongs your recovery. Why? Because the vagus nerve is controls the inflammatory reflex in the body. And then it can take hold in the vagal nerve anywhere it wants. Because the vagus nerve is called the wanderer. It, it goes everywhere. And it also affects the entire system. Right? And then once you get inflammation in one part of the body from anything, you can get it anywhere. It can travel anywhere it wants. So that's the thing with the body. It can, it can take these um, vulnerabilities anywhere in the body. And it usually takes it to your vulnerable parts, areas that you've had a lot of maybe prior injuries to, or here's where I'm going to send it home. Areas that have been suffering from poor fluid dynamics and blood flow for decades that you didn't realize it because it didn't hurt yet. The actual medical term that they have for it is what's called interstitial inflammatory stasis, which stasis means stagnant. Inflammation means inflammation. Interstitial means the tissue fluid filled spaces between cells, between tissue. And it can be stagnant anywhere the body wants to send it. That's why, in all seriousness, I need you to try to take care of the entire tank. That's my message. You got to get the tank clearance system to function well. Does that make sense? The body People are investing in these uh, vagus nerve stimulators. Do you yeah, think that's worth it? Do they work? Is it worth getting? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they definitely work. There's good research behind it. But um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, your vagus nerve lives in the same fish tank, yeah? <laughs> so before you work your vagus nerve, what do you do in my world? Clean you your lymph nodes. <laughs> you better check your damn lip is the answer. And when the vagus nerve comes out of the skull, it comes out on the left and it comes out on the right, its exit point into the neck is spot number two on your big six. So the vagus nerve exits the skull right behind the angle of the jaw. So if your lymph node is swollen there, you automatically have vagus nerve compromise right out of the gate. And then it comes down the side of the neck and then it goes down into what's called your thorax. And I'm going to give you one guess of what number it has to pass through to get there. Number one. number one so if you're blocked at number one and number two i already know your vagus nerve is taking a hit and then it travels down behind your sternum and it exits into your abdomen along your stomach and then it goes to all the organs in your body well wait for it <laughs> right where most of your lymph sits right where most of your inflammation sits so if you've got inflammation in your abdomen, you're going to inflame the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is going to go up to the brain. But the vagus nerve works both ways, guys. So you can do stuff to the gut that will help the brain, but a lot of people don't do well with that. They do all the gut protocols and they're not better. That's because it's more of a brain problem. The vagus nerve goes the other way too. So you have to get the vagus from the brain. And then what's the easiest way to do that? How about you drain the fish tank of your brain? That'd be a good start. Right? And then all of a sudden people say, Doc, I don't know, but this is crazy, but 
feeling a difference with this. Now you know why. Who would have thought? It's all joined up. It's all interreliant, interdependent on each other, and it all goes both ways. These systems always work together. And this is really, really critical for people to understand this. Now, medicine is awesome when you need it. Like, you know, if you have a trauma and, you know, and you're bleeding out or your arms hanging off, you don't come see me for a big six. You understand? <laughs> like, they're going to save your life and they're going to put your arm back on, but you better see me after you wake up and you check out, check out of the hospital, not check out. Die, okay. Uh, um, so all these systems have to work together. But in medicine, we go after specific ones. You have a specialty. And that's great. But if you specialize in something, you forget about a lot of other relationships. And then what we've lost in medicine is knowing that if I take these parts out and I studied them in isolation and I knew everything about that system by itself, when you put that back in and it has to work with all of the other systems, Everything's off the table. It totally changes. And here's the other big mind blower. It's who you put it into. Your system, Noreen, is different than Emily's system, even though it's the same system. It's not the same system at all. Why? Because your system has a completely different story that it tells itself based on what's already happened to you. So it's going to respond differently. And that's why these system interactions are key and where medicine gets lost. Emily and I both have the same syndrome, but we have completely different symptoms. So that's why I don't chase labels. You can have the same label and the same diagnosis, but you have a completely different mechanism of how you got there. Yeah. That's why chronic disease is so difficult to treat because chronic disease has so many different factors to it that these combinations may not cause anything for Noreen, but they completely destroy Emily, even though they're the same things, right? That's how your body adapts to its story and culture and how you talk to yourself and your concepts and your perceptions and how you think changes physiology. And medicine is really good at isolating one bad guy. Like, let me go after this thing, this thing that's infecting everybody. Well, you're going to get lost quick, fast, and in a hurry, mate, because not everybody gets infected the same way from the same thing. All you got to do is look around the planet Earth the last two years, and you'll understand what I'm telling you. Well, in relationship to chronic disease, everything matters. And that can be overwhelming, right? That's what it's like when somebody comes in to see me with a thing. It could be anything, but I have to start somewhere. Now I'm telling you, where do you think I'm starting? The limp. The limp. Because in my experience, if that system is an issue and you have not looked at it and you have not addressed it, I'm going to stand by it until I'm dead. You're never going to get where you could be. It's certainly something that's worth trying because <laughs> you've just given us something that's entirely free, completely possible to do at home, doesn't involve taking more and more medication. I mean, why not try it? It'll just help your body. I have to say that I did the lymphatic drainage and I felt horrendous the next day. I don't know if I caused myself a massive crash from it, but if that is the flushing out of toxins. Oh, I remember you had the worst migraine. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> but and then I actually did do it relatively regularly. Okay, well, I did it and I felt nothing. So my <laughs> lymphatic system must be super or I must be doing it wrong or it doesn't work. For you. <laughs> exactly so well, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing it every day 
And I'll tell you, maybe that's what's fixing me. Maybe. It could be that you just went skiing and had some lovely mountain air and got away from your house and all the cleaning and the yeah. laundry. It could be. Oh, the laundry. <laughs> Join us next week as we hear others' experiences of long COVID. Share your stories and questions at tlcsessions.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. And if you found this interesting, please do subscribe.